Hello and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast with your host, Aoife O'Brien. The podcast for anyone who wants to be happier at work. We spend so much of our time at work. Everyone deserves to be happier at work. In today's episode, I speak with Andrew Barnes from Perpetual Guardian all about the four day work week. So Andrew has become very well known across the globe for implementing a four day work week without any reduction in pay. We dive right into talking about productivity, input versus output, the impact that having a four day week has on the business as well as home life, the practicalities of implementing a four day work week. Thanks, Andrew. Morning and welcome to the Happier at Work podcast. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure, I can. Um, I'm Andrew Barnes. I am the founder of Perpetual Guardian, which is New Zealand's largest statutory trust company. We deal with wills, we deal with the capital markets, and we're also New Zealand's largest philanthropic trustee. But of late, uh, I am probably more better known internationally for being the architect of the four-day week, which we introduced in my company last year. Fantastic. And um, um, so this is something I became aware of last year. So I'm studying for a master's in organizational behavior. And that's when I first came across your work and this whole concept of four day work week. Can you explain a little bit more about how that came about? Yeah, look, it's very simple. You have to blame a long distance flight and the economist, really, because um, I was reading on a plane uh, a survey that was mentioned in an economist article which said that the Brits were productive for two and a half hours a day and the Canadians in this survey, one and a half hours a day. And I thought, well, that's pretty interesting. Why is productivity in the workday so low? And then more importantly, did that actually apply to my business? And I really started approaching this from the academic side of thinking, you know, maybe it is happening in my company and I thought well look if that's right all you have to do is get 45 minutes more productivity in four days in each of the four days to give people a day off so I approached it saying well you know if I could keep productivity up um, and give people a day off what would happen Uh, and there was no more science to it than that Fantastic. And what was the impact then of doing it? Like, talk me through the kind of the steps that you took to make it happen. And then what were the results? Well, we started off with, uh, you know, announcing it to the staff. But the key point is that I frankly had no idea how to do it. So I said to the team, I've got this wild idea. I want you to tell me how you would do things differently. And also, how I measure you, because I think a lot of companies don't have measurements for most departments, most roles. So I said, we need two things here. First of all, customer service can't drop, productivity can't drop, but you tell me how you're going to change things and also, you know, how I measure you. And then we gave the team about a month to deal with that. Then we launched uh, a trial, which was initially six weeks. We then expanded it to eight and then we went back to five days for for a short period of time because what we'd done is we'd also invited two researchers one from 
Auckland University of Technology and one from Auckland University to run some quant and qualitative research alongside the trial. So I got some objective data that I could present to the board and my fellow shareholders. And then when we digested that, we then you know, thought about what we were going to tweak and change. And then eventually uh, we introduced the, the four-day week on a full-time basis uh, last year. So that was the sort of steps that we went through to, to, to get it in place. Brilliant. I really love how you got the staff involved in it because I was going to ask, you know, when you're talking about productivity and, you know, the Brits doing two and a half hours out of every working day, it's like, well, how do you actually measure that? So what did your staff come up with in terms of how to measure themselves or how to kind of measure the effectiveness? Well, um, let me let me sort of tackle that broadly in, in, a, in a couple of ways. So yeah. the first thing is, you have to think about what's actually going on in a workday. So when you go on into a workday, what happens? Well, you come into the office, you have a cup of coffee, you have a bit of a chat, you have a look at some emails, you maybe do some social media, you sit down to do some work, somebody disturbs you, uh, breaks your concentration, um, you then have to get back to doing some work, more coffee, more calls. So it's not hard to start to look through a working day and go, actually, you know, Actually, there's a lot of things I'm doing in that day that aren't really work. And also, there are things that are work that aren't very productive. How many meetings have we ever gone to where the meeting drones on for about an hour? You didn't need to be there in the first place. And actually, you could have dealt with the issue in 15 minutes if there'd been an agenda and should have been much more structured. So a lot of this, when you really come down to it, is nothing more than very, very simple time management. Yeah. Now, at the same time, because you're making time the scarce resource rather than cost, you are actually enabling people, you're giving people the confidence to say, by the way, that process over there is redundant. Now, if in fact you were looking for cost saves, previously, if I told you that process was redundant, I might have ended up losing my job. Under this structure, we're making time the scarce resource. I want people to have less time in the office. I want the same level of productivity so that this frees them up to then do, actually, there's process improvement that we know of, which doesn't quite often bubble up to the level of management. That means we can make the business better. So the start point has to be with the staff. You have to give them that confidence. One, they're buying into the process, but also they are, this is about often changing personal behavior to get a better outcome. And so it's not something that you can dictate, you know, from on high when you're trying to do it. Now, in terms of, you know, measuring productivity, uh, at the very simplest level in a company, you can, you can gauge that by, does your revenue go up? Do your profits go up? Uh, what's the ratio of revenue to individuals? Those are very, very simple, high-level matrices that you can look at. But the reality here, too, is that what we were trying to do is say to individual teams, if you're not some, you're not doing a job that is absolutely measurable, there must be things that drop out of those roles 
that will indicate whether or not productivity is being maintained, whether or not customer service is being maintained. And, and so literally, we got teams to say to us, okay, this is how you should measure us. And we looked at those suggestions and in general, we accepted them and said, yeah, okay, that seems reasonable. Um, those are the things that we will check on, which will be a very simple test to assess whether an individual team is meeting its productivity objectives or not. That's brilliant, yeah. So they came up with their own ways to measure it effectively. Yeah, look, I mean, the biggest threat to a four-day week you will find um, is that managers, when presented with the opportunity, the first thing they will say is, one, it won't work in my business. And the second thing they will do, if pushed, is they will try and come up with solutions to meet every possible eventuality before they launch it. And that just doesn't work because the reality is you don't know what you don't know. What you've got to do is you've got to give the staff the opportunity to identify how those changes occur and how and they have to take ownership of how they are going to implement them. And that's why you run a trial. It's like a, a, a scientific experiment, if you will. You know, you, you know what you want to achieve. You run a series of experiments around that. You look at the results. You reevaluate what the results are. And if necessary, you know, you tweak the experiment until you get the result that you're looking for. This is what we're doing in essence. Yeah, yeah. When you're running a trial as part of a four-day week program. Yeah. It's really great, though, that you're empowering employees you know, you're giving them the autonomy, you're giving them the control over what it is that, that they're doing and, you know, deciding how things get done and how things get measured and coming up with their own solutions as well when they encounter any problems. So I love yeah, that. Yeah, look, yeah, that, that's right. And look, we found that our engagement scores, our engagement, empowerment, enrichment, enthusiasm, those scores went up 40%, 40 percent, four zero percent. Yeah, yeah. Now they went up to incredibly high levels. So that's part of the engagement process. They own the process. The other thing that's really important is, uh, and if if your your listeners look at the, it's on YouTube somewhere, my announcement to staff on this. What this is about is a a personal deal. It's a deal between myself as the, the, the owner, the shareholder of the company, and my staff. And I'm saying, look, you know, I'll give you this if you give me that. So there's very much a personal compact here. Yeah. And that's why the individual has to be at the heart of it, because the individual has to own the fact that actually this is this is a this is a deal. This is a quid pro quo. If you you are just treating it as a policy, you won't get the same levels of buy-in, and I don't think that you will get the same outcomes. Yeah. So it's it's a psychological contract in effect. So you you know it's an exchange between the individual and another individual as well, as opposed to an, an individual and the company. That's exactly right. And if you want to play absolute psychology, nobody tells you they're less productive than they actually are. So bizarrely, <laughs> yeah. um, you went up arguably with the team actually raising their targets ever so slightly. Uh, when we're agreeing the level of productivity. So, you, you know, the, the results speak for themselves. I think all companies that have adopted the four-day week have seen 
a rise, sometimes quite significantly, in the levels of productivity, as well, of course, in these key things of engagement, empowerment, enrichment, you know, uh, work-life balance, uh, de-stressing an organisation. Yeah. Oh, this is, is amazing. So, I mean, we spoke about the impact on work. How about the impact of non-work activities? So if someone has, suddenly has an extra day in a week, what, what's the impact there? Well, the, 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 this is a bit, of a, it's, it's a bit of a sad indictment, in fact, on our society, is that people need to learn how to take a day off again. Yeah, yeah, I can relate now, to that, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the problem was always that uh, in the first couple of weeks when we did the trial, you know, people would come back after their day off absolutely knackered because they'd spend the whole day running around. I mean, you'd, we used to joke it was sort of like Schindler's List. You know, if you, uh, if you literally went home, your, your wife or your husband had turned into Mr. or Mrs. Schindler and gave you a list of tasks <laughs> that you had to do on your free day off. Right. And the net result is you came back completely, you know, completely spent. It was only in about week three that people suddenly said, you know, actually, we've got another one of these coming every single week. And actually, let me rethink how I'm approaching this. And so over time, you start to see people investing time in themselves, sure, getting jobs done, but then also starting to pay it forward. You know, people who would then start to use that day for um, supporting charities or doing other community projects, uh, as well as others would go off and then start, you know, doing, you know, education courses or or, or other things. So it took a while. This is quite a break from what we normally have, which is uh, a society where we are forever switched on forever linked into to business and to our emails and this is a thing that says it's a circuit breaker and it takes you a while to adjust and use the circuit breaker appropriately yeah i can i can totally relate to that i took a what was supposed to be a holiday turned into kind of more of a business trip around ireland for 11 days and within that time i managed to see eight eight different counties so i was traveling most days and I did. I found it really hard just to switch off. It's, it was, yeah. yeah. I'm so yeah. used to being what, busy. So this is why this, this is really important. What you're really saying is this is a day that effectively is part of your working week, but your employer is saying, I want you refreshed. Yeah. I want you to be the best you can be in the office, and I want you to be the best you can be at home. Because if you can achieve that balance, I mean, I'm a businessman. I have to be reasonably hard-nosed about this. If I can get that balance in my staff, what I will get is I will get much better productivity. I will get a much more stable, empowered workforce. They will come up with better solutions. I will attract and retain better staff. So, you know, there's something absolutely in this for me as a businessman, but you can see that the impact on individuals is quite dramatic Uh, and actually those are actually the rewarding side of bringing in place four day week it's the stories of you know the dad who picks up their child from school for the very first time Uh, you know the single mum who actually has a chance to to spend her weekends with her children not doing chores we even had a, a young woman whose husband was a chef and 
by giving a, this four day, fourth day, fifth day off, this day off, they actually took, I think, a Tuesday. She took a Tuesday off. She was able to spend time with her husband that otherwise she would not have been able to do. Now, that is a game changer as far as her life is concerned. Indeed, at the moment, she's now on maternity leave. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it not only impacts work, it impacts people in their home life as well, in ways that you might not even imagine before you would run a program like this. No, that's actually the thing. It really does impact the home life. That's why I like it, because I think society is at a, at a very dangerous point at the moment. We, we have an epidemic of mental health issues. Yeah. Uh, one in four in the United Kingdom, one in five in New Zealand. It's are broadly consistent across the developed world have a stress or mental health issue, usually occasioned by work. Now, you know, that has a massive impact, not just on society and families and businesses. You know, it has a cost attached to it as well. In New Zealand, we've just launched this, you know, well-being budget, which uh, has a massive amount being put forward to deal with mental health. It's an ambulance at the bottom of the cliff. Yeah, you know, yeah. If we're really going to change this, you have to break the cycle. You have to give people a chance to de-stress, to recharge their batteries, to switch themselves off. If we keep going the way we're going, we're going to have you know very serious problems. Yeah, as yeah. society going forward. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big believer in that because. I mean, a lot of companies, what they tend to do, I call it like putting a bandage on a gaping wound where they're trying to resolve these mental health issues by running like a wellness day or a wellness week. And it's become hugely trendy in Ireland at the moment. And I'm sure it's the same in New Zealand as well, um, where, you know, and it's it's not really fix. You know, you need to fix it at the source is what I'm saying. And I think yeah, that no, look, you're right. You're mm. absolutely right. And and. You know, it's it's not just mental health. It's it's for example, let's look at you know, if you look at Dublin, you look at Auckland, they're broadly about the same size. Yes, yeah. um, we have massive amount of congestion, so we're having to build roads and worry about infrastructure funding. What happens if you took twenty percent of cars off the road? Every yeah, day? yeah. If you also gave people flexible working, which we do, by the way, in our model, yeah, we call it one hundred eighty hundred. It's one hundred percent. Uh, of your pay, 80% of your hours, 100% of productivity. So that means it applies to full-time, part-time. But as a full-time worker, you could also say, I want to work five days a week but compressed hours. So if you could do that and get, say, free flow in Auckland yeah. on the roads, that would put 2% more on Auckland's GDP. Wow. If you then think about taking 20% of cars off the road, what does that do as far as pollution is concerned? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Now, I know I take the cars off. I know I've got those things that are not running in rush hour. I know that my power bills go down. My premises bills are going down. Um, and I, um, the, the base research, and there's still a little way to go on this, indicates that when people have a day off, in general terms, they do much lower carbon footprint activity. But of course, what else does it change? If I have got time to shop, 
Do I buy those local vegetables? Do I cook something for the family rather than using an Uber Eats or something like that, which basically means I, I shop or I consume where the carbon footprint is far higher than it needs to be. Yes. So the view that we only look across at this, you know, you start to go, well, that ticks that, and that ticks that. It, it addresses gender pay. I mean, you're saying to women returning to work, stop negotiating on time. Start negotiating on output. Yes. Because you look at the UK, the UK has no... Uh, gender pay gap, noticeable gender pay gap up to 40. And then at 40, it goes to 12.5%, rising to 15% of 50. Prime period when women return to work, and the first thing they do is say, uh, I'd like to work four days, so the organisation pays them for 80%, yeah. even though they probably produce 100%. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I'm you know, very much of you. This is a thing that says let's change the way we work and actually this is a significant change that leads through to making significant adjustments to the things that at the moment we're reacting to but we're not doing the big policy that might create a landscape that addresses those problems yeah you've you've raised a really interesting point there and something that I'm very interested in is the whole idea of input versus output so I think generally speaking in work we're obsessed with the idea of input we we are quote unquote busy and being busy is a badge of honor and the harder we work you know or at least it appears from the outside that we're doing all of this hard work and I think you you touched on it earlier as well Andrew but it's it's all about the input and how many hours you're working but really what we should be looking at is well what comes out of that at the end of the day and how important is that to the business that's exactly right look we're I'm a victim of this you're a victim of this you know anybody who's you know come through business over the last you know 20 30 40 years um has equated working longer with working harder yeah Uh, and i'm having to say to people actually no you know i want you to work smarter harder longer doesn't necessarily mean i get any output i'm not paying you to occupy a seat yeah yeah i'm paying you for what you produce now logically that says that if somebody came to me and said, Andrew, you know what? I could do this in three days. Should I care? No. The answer I think is no. <laughs> and, and so what we're doing here is we're starting to shift the conversation. So when the conversation is about productivity, what also then comes into the mix is how long you work. To be honest, when you work, you know, you may decide it's better for you to work a time five in the evening till nine at night actually that's okay if that's what you want to do and that works for me too why wouldn't i agree to that so bizarrely i think once this conversation comes in what you're doing is that you're starting to change the conversation about the shape of work the critical thing is it is not a gig deal so gig is you know Uber driver, uh, you've sort of got that right in Dublin. The rest of the world hasn't. Um, uh, 
any delivery things, anything that is working on what we broadly would call a zero-hour contract, yeah. where you know there is no investment in you. You are merely doing a role, and at a point in time, the gig provider can say, well, thanks for playing, you know, okay, we don't need you anymore. Now, nobody's investing in your future. Nobody's giving you sick pay, holiday pay, um, superannuation. At, no, no one's even bothering half the time whether you're getting the minimum wage. Now, all of those things, when you look at the research again across the globe, indicates that that is a real contributor to stress, mental health problems. And what I'm trying to say to people is I know people want flexibility. If I can give it to them in this method, but with those hard-fought-for worker protections attached that is a better way to go than just basically saying, look, let's not worry about that. I'm only interested in, in what generates short-term benefit to my business. Long-term, we're all going to pay the price for this. So we're better served to take a long-term decision-making process now and put it in place. So like what you're saying about, the, I mean, the gig economy, I think globally is really starting to, to get a lot of traction. But what you're saying here is it's about taking the benefits of that, which mostly it'd be around the flexibility, but also having the security of being permanently employed. Yeah, but look, I mean, a gig is, a, is a, what I call a long con. Um, and I call it that because people say, well, I work when I want to work. The answer is no, you don't. You work when the gig provider needs you to work yeah yeah and actually you have to make your if you stop making yourself available when they need you to work increasingly the shifts the opportunities that you get will get worse and worse so if you know that you have to make yourself available as much as possible which basically means it's not you working when you want to work it is if that is your sole source of employment you have to make yourself available broadly all the time. Yeah, it's yeah. a con. It's a con. That's a you good point. You see gig with happy, smiling professionals sitting in beautiful offices with a ping pong table, <laughs> a, you know, a coffee shop. You never see the delivery driver or the person who's stacking the shelves. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, I'm curious about the, the practicalities around implementing a four-day work week. So we, we kind of talked about some of the steps, but you mentioned there that like people can take it in different ways. So people might take it on different days of the week and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Look, um, the, the way we work, it is not necessarily the way that everybody works. It. A lot of four-day week companies uh, take a day off a single day can be a Wednesday, could be a Friday, what have you. We are run about 16 retail stores across New Zealand. We have to be open five days a week. We have to provide customer service, which is the normal hours that you would expect. So we've adopted a thing where we have a, a, a rolling day. Now that's decided by the teams. So each team that's in a group, um, decides amongst itself who takes what day, and that, that could be a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. So just because you've got a Friday this week, it doesn't mean you get a Friday next week. Okay. Now, there are exceptions. There are some teams where 
you know, somebody says, I want to do Wednesdays, nobody else wants to do Wednesdays, Wednesday has got your name on it. But, but the reason why this is, is beneficial is, of course, you know, some people, especially those who are suffering from things like stress or mental health, can work two days, take a break two days, but could never work effectively five days or four days. So it, it's horses for courses. Yeah. And we like our version, but we're very clear that just because that works for us, it doesn't mean it will work for everybody. You, you pick your own course and how it works. Yeah. The principle, though, is it's four normal days, not four longer days, and it's no reduction in pay. Yeah. And th- so that, that 180 100 mantra uh, for us is absolutely central. Yeah. Are there, are there any kind of uh, specific jobs, roles, or industries where you think this might not be? be or it couldn't be effectively implemented <laughs> it's one of the joys of talking about this on a regular basis that, that what usually happens is i sit down somewhere and uh someone will say what are you doing for a week and they will go and they'll look away into the middle distance pause and then they'll come back with the industry that they think proves that it would not work <laughs> okay and in the last instance of this, I had a chap who looked me in the eye and he said, well, it wouldn't work in dairy. And I said, well, why not? And he said, well, cows need milking twice a day. Now, he thought that proved it. I actually think that the only real way that justif- that gets you anywhere is if you assume that all uh, innovation and evolution, as far as the dairy industry is concerned, stops dead today. Yeah. And that how we're doing it is perfect but but the one that comes up a lot is medical okay yes yeah uh, and so everybody says well you know it wouldn't work you know we need to have medicine on 24 7. here's a, a wonderful cheery statistic for a for a morning uh, the americans kill 240,000 people a year in their medical system as a consequence of misdiagnosis or bad treatment usually occasioned by stress or overwork. Wow. 240,000 people. So, interesting question for you. Would you rather be operated on by the doctor who is fresh and has been working for an hour or the doctor who is stressed out and has been working for 20? <laughs> I'll take that to be a rhetorical question. <laughs> I yeah, think you know how so, it's going to be but, answered. But this is the point. Do, yeah, if yeah. you adopted a four-day week in the medical system, would you need more doctors? Yes. Would you need more nurses? Yes. But you have to look at this in the round. You have to look at it from a societal perspective. Would the quality of healthcare be better or worse? It would be better. Would you kill as many people? No, you wouldn't. Would you get better recovery times? Yes, you would. Would you retain more doctors? rather than having to keep retraining them as they burn out. Yes, ditto nurses, Mm. right? So when you start to look at this in the macro, overall, the cost of the healthcare might, might, I'm not even convinced about it, might go up. Yeah. But the quality (laughs) and the value that would create it 
would very clearly far exceed the cost increases. Now, here's a radical one, and more for the UK than Ireland, I think. Obviously, in, in the UK, we, uh, we, we shut down uh, a lot of care facilities. Um, and, uh, of course, people who are now having to work two jobs or a husband and wife both having to work haven't got the ability to care for aged relatives or what have you. Yeah, yeah. So what happens, those people often end up in hospitals. Mm. And, you know, you look at the number of old people occupying expensive hospital beds because there is no alternative. That is costing the health service in the UK an enormous amount of money. What happens if you've got flexible working? What happens if you've got days off a week when you can do some of that? Yeah, yeah. What happens if people then start to say, as a community, you know what? Part of my community service, my giving back, is going to be doing things as far as the the aged and the infirm is concerned. What is the benefit to society? So you may actually find that a structural change has further impacts, not just on the society, but on the health service, because ultimately it's not taking the strain that it's currently taking. Yeah. I mean, the, the benefits are some of the things I hadn't even considered. They seem enormous and it's a global impact. So at, at a very local level, you can have a global impact if this spreads more and more. But I suppose I'm thinking about the people who are thinking, oh, that would never work for me. And what what's the very first step towards you know, making that happen or running a trial. You know, um, if you don't think it'll work for your company, then you're right, right? Because (laughs) if that's the attitude you take, it's not going to work. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever you think is right, it's that, you know, you will make that happen. Yeah. So the first thing you actually have to do is is accept the fact that, uh, and this this is partly why I think our story got such a cut through last year is that I didn't approach this from the premise of the bleeding heart and work-life balance. I actually approached it more by accident design as an academic exercise, but saying as a businessman, I couldn't end up being worse off. Now, look, I, I, I... you know, I, I would like to think I'm slightly left of centre and I have a social conscience. But that wasn't the core driver. And so the point I continue to make to, to any business that's looking at this is, look, the evidence, if you actually look at the evidence, it is beneficial from a productivity, profitability. It keeps going. Yeah, yeah. The uh, so So don't... Think, start this by saying, oh, this is just a thing that I will lose productivity. That is not negotiable with your staff in the my model. Guys, I need the same level of productivity. I need the same level of customer service. The point is, you tell me how we're going to do it. Now, it may be that you're, you, you try it, you do the trial, you fail. But you will have found better ways to work. You will have found maybe you could do a nine-day fortnight. Maybe you could put a little bit more flexibility in. You will find ways that will make uh, your business more efficient and make your staff healthier and happier. 
And you know, I'm going out on a limb here. Healthier, happier staff at work actually produce better outcomes. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is not rocket science. <laughs> it, it is just the way it is. There is a, there's a, I think it was Gap produced a little app that enabled a shop assistant to trade shifts. And so you could say, I don't want to work that shift, but I can swap it with you. Their productivity, their outputs went up 9%. Wow. Just, just on that. Yeah. Now, that wasn't changing the time they worked in terms of the quantum of hours. It was changing when. So actually, I mean, how many times do you go into a shop and somebody ignores you? Yeah. Or a restaurant, you can't attract the waiter because, you know, they don't want to be there. What you're saying is if you can align the time of work to make it so that the individual wants to be there, and people do want to be at work, you're going to get better outputs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's very, very simple. So you must just trust your staff. Yeah. You know, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to try. If it doesn't work, the worst you've done is a two or, or a three-month trial and you've gone, and then you go back to five days. But they'll love you for trying. Mm. Yeah. yeah, definitely. That's the worst that can happen. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> now, what, what you've said there brings me on to um, my next question, which I ask all of the guests, is what makes you happier at work? Well, in a way, it's, it's similar to this. It's because I know that, that I'm a, you know, I, I, I like creating growing businesses I like doing different things and when I have time to think is when I am at my most creative you know I don't need to have my nose to the grindstone the whole time and if I do I don't like it what I actually like is the ability to have thinking time to yes yeah be creative to step back yeah so if i if all i have is no chance to do that that doesn't work for me and if i look back in my uh my own business career you know i i sort of came up through the the city of london in finance and, and in the days when you know one got in before japan closed and went home after new york opened um, and so you were doing, you were doing twelve hour days. Yeah. And was I happy? Was I, you know? I look back at, at photos of myself and and, and think back to my twenties, and I was a miserable git. Yeah, yeah. Frankly, you know that that was no way to live. I had no decent relationships. I just got up in the morning, went to work, came back, went to sleep, got up and repeat. You know, and that's that is that is not good. That doesn't work for me. Yeah. And so, yeah, has it taken me a while to to adjust to this concept that working smarter is better than working longer? Of course, it has. I've been indoctrinated like the rest of us. But 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 it's very clear that taking time out, de-stressing. You know, shutting down those bloody emails for a while. Yeah. Those sort of things actually mean that when I do go back to work, I'm I'm more empathic. I'm considered. I'd like to think I'm a better leader and a better human being, but I'm sure as hell more creative. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. And if people want to get in touch or find out more about the four day work week, how would they go about doing that? Right, well, there are two things. One, um, I've, in order, because I, I can't drink the, the amount of coffee I have to drink in order to, to sit down often with all the companies from around the world who are phoning up <laughs> and saying, can you help me with this? So I've done one thing. I've written a book, which has uh, just been announced. It's coming out uh, in January in Ireland, actually. And that's really a very much a how-to guide. Great. Uh, what we're doing is we've set up two charitable foundations, one in New Zealand, one in the UK, um, and all the profits from the book will go to fund research into uh, flexible working and, and the four-day week. So the idea is that because uh, we like, we want to share as much as we can our experience. So the, the book, if you if you you can you know you want to you, your listeners want to have a look at it, then that's coming out. It's just simply called four-day week. Um, there's also a website uh, www dot four day week for the number dot com. Now on that there is the white paper which we wrote uh, that has all our experience, uh, how we structured it, how we ran the trial, how we um, uh, you know structured the contracts, all of those sort of things. We, we've put on the white paper uh, and it's got research. Um, and so you can read that and see exactly how we did it. It's got news feeds, it's got the TED Talk, it's got the, the original announcements. And so we've tried wherever we can to be open so that other companies can you know, share. We are, of course, happy to... to you know, via, uh, via LinkedIn or via the website, you can contact us and say, hey, look, I'd like to have a chat. And if we can, uh, then we will, you know, we'll, we'll sit down, have a, have a conversation with you and give you the benefit of, of what we found. And we'll also be able to put you in touch with research in your area that uh, are looking at this and other doing it. And of course... Um, in Ireland, uh, you've you've got the four day week campaign itself, uh, which is championed by uh, uh, a coalition like Forza, um, which is business and women's groups, environmental groups uh, as well, uh, and they're obviously getting. Uh, I think it's called uh, Better for Everyone um, is the campaign, and uh, that obviously has as local material. Great. That's brilliant. Well, thanks so much for your time today. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It was really great to speak with you. No worries. Very delighted to chat. That was Andrew Barnes speaking about the four day work week. And I'm really curious to know whether you have your own business or you work for a company. Do you think that the four day work week would work well where you are? So I just wanted to summarize a little bit about what um, myself and Andrew were speaking about. So we really liked this whole idea of getting the staff involved. So, I mean, whether you're implementing a four day work week or not, it's really important to include staff in any decisions that you're making and giving them the autonomy to actually take control for, for what they're actually delivering in the business. Andrew mentioned that he did a he started with a six week trial. He did some meetings. He also did an announcement to staff. So I'll share that in the show notes as well. That's on, available on YouTube. I'm going to share his TED talk as well. 
I will share a link also to Andrew's website where you can find the white paper and also to a link to pre-order his book, which is coming out in Ireland in January. One of the biggest threats to the four day work week is when managers try to think about every single scenario that might happen and try to plan for it in advance when really the control should be given over to the individuals who work there and to come up with their solutions as problems arise because it's really difficult to foresee all of the the issues that may come about when this type of plan is implemented. He did speak about how the kind of practicalities of how it's implemented. So it could be a rolling day that you have off. It could be this a fixed day every week. I really liked the not only the impact that was shown in business. So he mentioned about engagement, empowerment, enrichment and enthusiasm all increased by 40%, which is incredible. But not only the impact on work, but the impact on home life as well. And how initially when they did it, it was a struggle to understand, like, what do you do having all of this additional time and and the difficulty of just switching off? The impact of taking cars off the road, uh, of giving back to society, in effect. Andrew's whole approach of, I want you refreshed. So as an employer, he wants his staff to be able to come in and do their work effectively and more productively. And that's the whole reason behind it. The concept of, I'm not paying you to occupy a seat. I'm paying you for the results that you deliver to the business. Uh, and thinking about any sort of business in that way, whether you're implementing a four day work week or not, is really, really critical, I think. He noted as well that having healthier, happier people in the workplace actually produces better results. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to the Happier at Work podcast with Aoife O'Brien. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast.